Last week, I spoke with Faith Fox, who was featured in the New York Times when her son was expelled from school because Faith complained about a racially charged play that the ninth grade class was reading. We continued this week's episode as Faith further details the events surrounding her child's expulsion and the devastation of being thrown out of the only school that Jamal has ever known. I, th- I can only imagine it's devastating. I think I think and devastating for him and for you to watch as his mother. And I'm sure you have second guessed yourself a thousand times, wishing you could walk this back. But but what I think um, you need to remember is really you shouldn't be penalized for for taking a stand. And I think. I think the message that this school is sending, and I'm wondering, do you think it would have been different had this diversity person, the head of this diversity program, been a, been a white woman? Would, would this not have happened? Would it have gone down differently? Was there something no. about the fact that you were both African-American Black women that allowed for this? No, I think that if you have um, a Caucasian person sitting in a position as a director of diversity and inclusion, that that person, it would seem to me, would be more open to the opinions of people who actually are experiencing these things. So there's a part of me that thinks if the person sitting in that position was white, that it wouldn't have gone this far because that person would have been looking for conversations to help her better understand what should and should not be happening in the classroom. And I think that that didn't happen here because she's black and they just kind of assume that everything that she's telling them is accurate and true. Um, I can tell you as a black person and as a black mom who has spoken to other black families at the school, I am not in the minority on my opinion about this particular woman. Um, I don't know anybody um, that thinks she's doing a good job as a director of diversity and inclusion, because this is not the only assignment that she has allowed at the school that's very difficult for black children. Um, I know that last year, I want to say last year, there were a group of parents who were very upset about Colonial Day. Mm-hmm. Colonial Day is where the children all dress up. In right. We have that in our school, yeah. Right. And so there's no place for a black student on Colonial Day except the place of a slave. Um, And so so having that type of an assignment without a conversation, it's not even that the parents wanted the the project to go away. They wanted there to be some communication about the black experience during this time, um, which was completely ignored and didn't happen. Um, And then there there was another assignment that parents were very upset about um, where they wanted the, the, the assignment was for children to trace their family back to the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. which of course is not something black people can do. Right. And so when you have a child that turns in an assignment that's true to history about the experience of black people during that time frame, the teachers don't want that. The school doesn't want that truth in the room, but they want us to be quiet and silent about feeding into this idea that these were happy times for black people. Right. Um, so having someone who is African-American, you would think in that type of a position would prevent students and families from feeling that way. And I don't think that these assignments necessarily need to go away. They certainly need to be revised and to be all inclusive. And they need to come with conversations, hard, um, direct conversations on a child's level 
about what the truth is of those situations. And right. so when the school says to me in ninth grade that they think it's important that they have these conversations because this is the reality, this is the, this is the truth of the matter, this is this, this is that, I'm like, well, you can get that same message across in age-appropriate literature that's not fiction. This is real life. You know, yeah. you, you don't need to use a book of fictional characters to tell the story of racism in America. There is a plethora of real life situations and books that will provide you with all of what you need with real people. So I just feel like there's a contradiction in what the school is saying on paper and what they're actually doing in practice. But I'm thinking, are, was your school, this must be uh, more widespread, right? Have you found out, like, are others, no? Are other schools not reading this book or? Yeah, of course, since the New York Times, I've received like hundreds of right. emails right. Um, and, and, and DMs and things like that, where people are basically expressing to me how they wish they had been able to speak up for their child or themselves um, on this exact situation where they were the only Black person in the class reading this heavy book and these negative slurs and racial slurs about black people. And so it's not a one-off. This is not just me complaining because it happened to me. Right. This is a very common occurrence. It happens in private schools all around the country. I don't, even in the best uh, situation, in the best um, scenario where you have a private school that is very much on top of diversity and inclusion and has someone that understands the experience, you still are going to have things that slip through the cracks right. um, that everyone's not necessarily addressing. But to, to have a situation where there's no one even putting in the effort is infuriating. Yes. Well, um, I, th I think also you're making a case for the fact that, you know, the schools and not just your school, but schools generally, they need to give a voice to the students and to the students' parents, right? Because maybe your perspective is different than the head of diversity in your school or the principal or the teacher. And that's okay. Right. But they need to listen and hear. And that's what's key. So to me, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. I think in this instance, it is important that it's a, it's a terrible racial slurs in this black story, but it almost wouldn't make a difference, right? It could be a Jewish story. That's problematic. A Muslim story. That's problematic. But, see, that's, right? that's, that's, I think the key to this. Yeah, but that's the thing, too, because those books don't exist in the classroom. You don't have pro-Hitler books the way you have books of, of conversations and articles about slavery where it's viewed as an economic decision. <laughs> you know, that was economically right. for the country. Slavery right. saved the country. But you wouldn't yeah. believe how many um, schools still are not teaching about the Holocaust, for instance. So that is another topic, right? So the... There, I think, I think the point is that we need to be sensitive and that we need to have all of these conversations and that when there is a strong parent like yourself, you need to be listened to and not penalized for taking a stand because guess what, Faith, you and I both know it is so much easier, right, to sit back and do nothing, right? It's just the easier course. And, and let me just say- not going to ruffle any feathers that way. No, and, and I am, am open to whatever punishment the school felt that I deserved because right. I <laughs> myself. 
except for taking it out of myself. On your child. I, I think that cannot be said often enough. If this, this was about you and the fact that they took it out on your child who, you know, it's not like you're even saying to me, which I still would have a problem with, oh, he was so much trouble. They had to always give him this and that. And I was getting calls every day about his behavior in the classroom. I mean, then we could maybe make a case for, look, you know, Faith, they wanted him out anyway. You gave him a perfect right. excuse, yeah, uh, which would have been a problem anyway. But that's not even the situation here. We're talking about a really great child who did nothing but actually add to the school yeah. student body. Not so, only that, you know, the upper school, the head of upper school, um, you know, I contacted him the next day by email and I wanted to make sure that Jamel's transcript was not going to say, have any negative um, remark on it with regards to him right. being terminated or expelled or whatever right. way they came up with saying that he was kicked out of school. Um, and so in his response to me, he assured me that there would be nothing on the transcript other than, you know, withdrawn as, as if he, we moved or something. Okay. Um, so I was happy with that. And in that same email, he told me how awesome Jamel is, how great a kid he is, and how he would be happy to write any recommendation for him to go to any school in, in the future. If there's anything I can do on a very personal level to help you with this process, let me know. And I thought, you know, you could have just stood up for my son and told everyone in the right. room that this was the wrong choice. There's nothing you can do for me now. Right. I mean, it's too late. Like, nothing. It's too late. Um, and so, yeah, I drafted a whole six page response <laughs> that ended up being like three sentences, like, thanks. Can I get a copy of the transcript? Right. You know, have, um, so, you know, I've received emails, conversations with teachers that honestly, I don't even remember um, mm -hmm. in the sense that my son may have had them for a specialty class where it's not his homeroom. It's not his regular everyday teacher, but those teachers, I've had teachers reach out to me, apologize for how things have gone, but ask me to understand that they can't speak publicly because they don't want to lose their jobs. Wow. And, and I think, too, that that's a problem. You need it's to have that's not afraid to speak up. You need to have a community that's not living in fear of what the school is going to do. Right if they speak in opposition to something the school is doing. Yes, I think that's true of, of schools everywhere. And, and as I started off saying, I really feel that there is just a culture around school that makes otherwise strong, accomplished individuals intimidated to the point of silence, mm -hmm. um, even when their child's welfare is at stake. You know, I, I, I feel that too. right. I know. Yeah. I, I have felt so that. hard for me to believe because I'm like you. And if there's an issue, I will stand up. I, I always teach my children just whatever you want to do, do it respectfully. And yes. as long as you can come to me, you know, in, in law, right, we have this expression, clean hands, right? As long as your, your hands are clean and there's no gun around you, everything is good. It's an expression. You didn't kill anyone. You got clean hands. I can defend you. And right. that's what I always teach them. I will defend you as long as you're respectful. And when I feel that something is wrong, I think it's so important to take a stand and it is often harder to do. And I am always amazed at how other parents, even when they agree, will say, oh yeah, just don't mention my name. Just don't well, say, just don't say you spoke to me. 
that has been my existence since this first happened. And I don't mean like since the article, like since it first happened, the people that my son spends an enormous amount of time with his, his closest friends and buddies at the school, you know, all of their parents were horrified and, and uh, can't believe this happened, but they're all very supportive behind closed doors. And obviously, I mean, my son goes to a white school, so we're talking about a lot of white families. Um, some who are also lifers, uh, some whose parents went to the school and graduated and met at the school and now they're married and their kids go to right. the school. So we're talking about a lot of history with the school to the extent I feel like there's certain people that if white people spoke up, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You would never know who I am because as a white parent, I think I would be equally outraged that my child is going to be saying the N-word in class. I, I absolutely agree with you. I don't understand why these people are afraid to speak up. Um, certainly, they're not in any danger of being expelled right. from the school under any circumstance. Um, but they still kind of live in this fearful place. They don't want to make waves. They don't want to embarrass the school. I don't know how they feel now about how embarrassed the school is. But, um, you know, I'm not going to beg you to be on my side, but I also can't sit by and watch you on social media every day call yourself an ally. You know, right. you don't get to decide you're an ally. I decide. We decide. Right. You're not an ally unless you're willing to put your money where your mouth is, right? Like come out there and say, and say, you know what? I support faith. I don't think they should be reading this book. This book is disturbing for teenage boys, teenage boys and girls. It, it really, the truth of the matter is that I could see this going wrong in a myriad of ways, right? Reading a book with all of these racial slurs, just it normalizes a language that we're trying to walk back from that, right? We, we don't need to walk children into it. We need to walk them back from it. So I, I can see, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't in school with you. I, I really would have supported you upfront outright. <laughs> um, so where are you now with this? Has Since the New York Times, has the school come to you, said anything? Have nothing? No, in fact, they've kind of, uh, they've kind of doubled down. Um, they put wow. out a, um, an official response basically saying that painting me as an angry black woman, which is another stereotype they don't yes. seem to recognize, um, you know, painting me as this angry black woman who's had a pattern of issues, which is completely false. Um, you know, when they, they pitched that, that scenario to the New York Times, the Times asked for emails because they said, you know, right. evidence, right. Yeah, they asked for evidence. And, and the response was, well, you know, let's just focus on November. Let's just focus on fences. And she's like, well, that's great. The, the article is going to be about fences, but I would like to see right. some of other really horrifying emails that you've described in your statement. And they basically sent a new statement in without all of those accusations in it. Okay. However, they put out the original statement as a Facebook post to all of the people that were on their page after the article came out to say, that I was this horrifying person that was just at, on their necks 24 seven. And I've had this whole pattern of being abusive to the staff and everyone's afraid of me. And like this whole anti-black woman stereotype that they still don't see as being that. Well, so you know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say this, you are terrifying to the staff, but not because you've actually done anything wrong. It's yeah. only because you stand up for yourself and your child. And that in and of itself is an anomaly. 
in, in people, I'm not going to even say just parents, right? People have a hard time standing up. Um, and I think that that makes you scary. You're also very well-spoken, you're poised. You're somebody who can come back to them with real arguments that are troubling for them. So they can't just make you go away. And the only way to make you go away is to really get rid of you. And that's really what they try to do. And this is what I don't understand. If you are annoyed with me having a voice at the school in private, in a private email to a handful of people um, and in a meeting, in a Zoom with a handful of people and on a private Facebook page with other families in the same situation as me, what person in the room that made this decision thought that I was going to go away after they kicked my son out? Right. What did they think was, I, I'm confused about what they thought was going to happen here. Um, and I've had so many people say, do they know you're a lawyer? Do they know? Right. That's, you know that was my I, question. I mean, as, as a lawyer, I mean, have you thought about taking this up, you know, in a legal fashion? Of course. And, and I feel like there's certain legal issues that I have to address legally because they literally have can't handed me on a silver platter, a case for defamation and slander. I was just thinking so, that. Absolutely no way I'm going to let that slide. Um, and so I just feel like, and the same thing, I mean, Jamel has legitimate damages. Yes. Um, and so I feel like I have an obligation, uh, not only as an attorney, but as his mother to advocate for him in that, in that legal arena as well. However, I, I don't, it's not something I'm in a rush to do. Um, honestly, the longer I wait, it seems like the more evidence they give me just makes a stronger case, um, in terms of the defamation aspect, but I really, I don't want the conversation to become this lawsuit and this money grab that mom is just trying to get all the same. Right. Because it's, it's not that for me, you right. know, it's not that for me at all. Um, and so I don't want that to become the new narrative that they try to paint. Um, I want the conversation to remain on the issues because I realized, and I think a lot of other people have too, that this is a national problem. This is not something that's a one-off thing that happened at my son's school. There's inappropriate literature in probably every private school. Absolutely. I think and so I'm glad that the conversation is now taking place because of this. Um, I don't know that it would have otherwise, or if other parents like me are making these same arguments at their schools and maybe their child's not getting kicked out, but they're sensing some other type of repercussions and consequences that, that no one really can, can quantify in writing where it's not so obvious. You know, I have concerns about if the school were to sit down and have a conversation and they entertained my son coming back, you know, honestly, I would prefer that he not go back. However, I don't see my child recovering if the school came back to me and offered him this opportunity and I said no, um, because it's just too painful for him. And I don't wanna yeah. see him continue to go through that. Obviously I'd like some assurances that there are gonna be some changes. Um, I don't want to feel like if there's something inappropriate for black students that, or for students, that the solution is that my son sit in the corner and do something different. Yeah. I, I would like the entire class to do something appropriate yeah. and not just my son. So, I mean, I think as a parent, it's a hard decision for me that I honestly, I, I'm not even going to entertain because it's not on the table. My right. son going back is not on the table, but, um, there's no scenario where if we had a conversation and that opportunity presented itself that I would be able to just blanketly say no to it because this is really about my son and I want him to be happy. You know, I'd like to see my son genuinely happy again. And I, I don't know that 
It will be a long time. Um, I think as parents, we all know that bad things happen and you recover and it takes a while and you know, you're gonna have to deal with this and kind of carry this for a while. I know for certain my son is going to be okay eventually, but the pain of that recovery, I would like to spare him that if it's at all possible. Yeah. No, I mean, I want to say that, you know, you and I both know children, children are resilient, people yes. bounce back. But on the same token, I think it's important to remember that high school is a really hard time for children yes. on many, many levels. And an incident like this, it becomes, um, it's an indelible experience, right? That is forever um, burned into your psychic memory of how you're treated. So he will surely recover. He will surely thrive. He sounds amazing. You're his mother. I don't have any doubts. He'll be, he'll be more than okay. But I also think that this will have shaped him and changed him in a way that maybe was unnecessary. And I think that that's something that the school should have thought about before they did this, that there is a child here. I think, thought about that. I think they don't care. I think that I hope you're wrong, but I don't well, know them. So you can imagine play. a single scenario where this would have happened to a white child at the school. Um, I, I know, like, again, I, I know parents who have literally screamed and fussed at their child's teacher nothing. in the classroom in front of the kids to the point the teacher cried and nothing happened to those kids or those parents. Um, and so I know for sure that if, a, if this were a situation where there was some really awful book that, that talked about the Jewish lifestyle in some really negative, horrifying way that was going to be traumatic to Jewish students, and a parent complained about that, um, I can't imagine they wouldn't change things to make it more comfortable and, and to appease the parent. Um, and I, I can't imagine a scenario where if they didn't, and this Jewish child were to write a blog about it, describing how God awful it was and how it made her want to cry, that the school would read that and feel nothing. I feel that if those things had happened with a white child, that everything would have been fixed because we don't ever want a white child to feel like that in the classroom, ever. Right. And, and that should be the stance, but it should be for all of the students. It should be for everyone. You know, I, I don't know whether you're right or wrong. We, you, you don't know whether you're right or wrong. We can only conjecture. But I think what's important to remember is that there are there are good and bad people of every shape, form, color. Right. And there are ignorant people of every shape, form, color. And we're going to we are going to keep encountering people who quote, don't get it. And our children are gonna keep being put in situations where they're made to feel uncomfortable, where they're made to feel that they're not, they don't have a voice and they're not heard. And I think that it's our job as, as long as we're parenting them under our roof to really teach them how to have a voice in the proper way. So I, I think that you most certainly have done that. I, I want to um, end with something that I'm curious if you heard about, because it touches a little bit about what you said. So I'm in New York City, and there's a Jewish day school in the Long Island area. And recently, their school website was hacked by a white supremacist, and literally taken over with Nazi propaganda and swastikas and images, and videos of anti-Semitic materials were published literally all over the website. There was even a video that played a children's song that had been edited out to make reference to the Nazi concentration camp Auschwitz. And there was a call on the website for all Jewish children to report to concentration camps. It was simply horrific and frightening. And you know what? Very few people had ever even heard about this. 
right? And I thought, isn't that amazing that we can be living in this era where terrible things ha are happening racially and in an anti-Semitic way, and yet something so disturbing as this, which, I mean, children were, were, were scared. They also disclosed the financial records of parents and the, on the student body. It was just horrifying. And I think it got like a small little um, online coverage. And I was really amazed at it. And I said, you know, we really have not come as far as we think we have, right? We, we're hoping for change everywhere. You know, the George Floyd murder, really, the incidents around it really, I think were impactful in a way that led us to believe that change was coming. But we have such a long way to go in so many different arenas. And I think that all groups need to be sensitive to one another and to advocate for one another. So, you know, I really support what you did. And I say it again, I, I would have openly supported you because I really think that what happened it was the book shouldn't have been read or certainly should not, you should not have been treated the way you were treated. And more importantly, your son should not have been expelled. So I thank you for coming on and sharing this really important story that I hope we can learn from. And that, and I hope that uh, let's stay in touch because I feel like good things are going to happen for your son, but I hope they happen sooner rather than later so that he can smile again. Right. Cause that's all you really want for him. That's right. That's all any parent wants is for their child to be happy. Exactly. Um, and right now mine isn't, so. I know. I'm so sorry. And also in, a, in the pandemic, right? We're in such a terrible time. I feel like we just need to really come together. And this, this whole rhetoric of, of, you know, negative emails, expulsion, there's just no place for it. This is a time where we should be extra sensitive to one another. And if they felt you did something wrong, they should have just come over and spoken to you you're a reasonable person, they could have. And that's what should have happened. So I'm sorry that this happened to you, I really am. But thanks for being what I consider a change maker because I believe change will come from this, positive change. I certainly hope so. And we'll do everything we can to you know, continue to spread the word in the right way. So thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it, Faith. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking to you. And it's always, I really do hope that people have these conversations at, in the right places, in these boardrooms, at these uh, private schools around the country, that they are someone there that says, are we doing this here? Like, we need yes. to fix this. But, you know, have the conversation. Um, and, hope, and hopefully there will be some significant and material changes that will bring us closer together instead of making us you know, sit further apart. Absolutely. Thanks again for coming. I hope you stay well. Bye for now. Great. Right, Bye-bye.